Today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, if you fly with a fake service animal, United Airlines is raising the bar. And McDonald's has created the ultimate fast food culinary cathedral in Chicago. We'll tell you all about it. Frontier Airlines is returning to Sacramento after an absence of several years. And in our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, Mark reminds everyone that super low fares comes with some super potential issues. If you are a traveler who is willing to pay a little more for a little better experience, you'll want to be with us at 335 when Tom talks to the ladies who run the Blue Walk, amazing small group tours in Europe and Greece that sound fascinating. And if you like to travel to our national parks, be listening at 350 when Scott Angeletti talks about his tours to Utah and Oregon parks and gives you a few tips about how to avoid the crowds. It's 3 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Tom is in the studio in Sacramento, and I join you from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Kaufman and Sam Romano, the travel and entertainment guys, every Sunday, 3 to 4. Don't forget now, all the stuff that we talk about is uh, available at travelguysradio.com, links to, as well as our podcasts. And all of this is brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, which fortunately we have around. If it weren't for Sports Leisure Vacations, Mark wouldn't be back to New York, uh, Washington, D.C. for a baseball game. What a tough life, Mark, to, that you have to live uh, after nearly going on 40 years uh, as a uh, tour director for Sports Leisure Vacations and, and all of that. Well, welcome, my friend. It's nice and sunny and beautiful in Sacramento. Uh, how's it going there? How was the game? Uh, we just saw a wonderful baseball game across the street at Nationals Park here, which is down in the southern part of Washington, D.C., in an area called uh, Navy Yard, and uh, an area that for many years in Washington was nothing but uh, warehouses and kind of a skid row type section. But now as high rises are springing up all over as the stadium effect is taking effect here in uh, South D.C., south of Capitol Hill, and, and boy, there's a lot of building going on here. Beautiful ballpark, beautiful day, a little cloudy, not humid yet for the summer, so we're feeling about 70 degrees, and tomorrow we head up to Baltimore, then we'll catch the Giants up in Philadelphia for a couple days, on to Pittsburgh and Cooperstown, and yes, Tom, it is a, it's a tough life. We've, we spent most of the week in New York City, and uh, now down here with a new group of travelers, doing some baseball games. Now, I understand that when you were in uh, in New York, you got a chance uh, to, for a very, very unique experience. Tell me about that. Yeah, we had, uh, in, in the tour business, we say, you know, we're always looking for that aha moment, that moment when just everything goes perfectly, and you go, wow, that was aha, that was really the very best. 
we were at Carnegie Hall on Monday night. The New York Pops Orchestra does a, a anniversary, a birthday performance every year. It's a fundraiser. They do a special dinner and a silent auction, the whole nine yards. We go for the show and sit in dress circle seats at Carnegie Hall and listen to the concert, which is always a tribute to a famous Broadway composer. This year it was Alan Menken that they were honoring, and Mr. Menken, among others, uh, did Little Shop of Horrors, and he did the music for Aladdin. He did the music for Beauty and which was Disney's first uh, Broadway effort. And uh, so it was an A-list of Broadway stars singing some of Mr. Mencken's material from over the years, and they paused towards the end of the program and said we would like one very special guest to join us. And if you remember from the movie Beauty and the Beast, there was a, a, a lady who played Mrs. Potts, the teapot in the movie, um, Angela Lansbury. Oh, yes. And out onto the... Out onto the stage came 92-year-old Angela Lansbury oh, yeah. to to sing perfectly her mm -hmm. song from Beauty and the Beast. Brought the house down, not a dry eye in the place, including my own. Um, it was really, that was really one of those incredibly spectacular moments that uh, you just, she was in San Francisco in a show called Blythe Spirit a few years ago, and folks literally fell all over themselves trying to get tickets. She's 92 going on 93, and she can still bring the house down. I'm just telling you that. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, it sounds like everybody was having a great time. Well, look, folks, we have a great show for you, a lot of stuff lined up, and at the top of every Travel Guys radio program every week, we do the travel news. And with that, uh, let's bring on Mark again. Get heavy lifting today. Mark, what you got in the travel news? Well, lots going on in Hawaii, Tom. Uh, of course, with the uh, the volcano and now earthquakes, are, which kind of tend to run hand-in-hand hand with volcanoes, so the folks in Hawaii are dealing with a lot of things. It was announced this week by Southwest Airlines. I'm sure folks uh, around Sacramento all know this by now. If you're thinking about going to Hawaii anytime in the next couple of years, you know that Southwest Airlines plans to fly to Hawaii from Sacramento. One of four California airports that Southwest announced they would begin Hawaii service from in the coming months. They haven't announced a beginning service date or when tickets will go on sale, but they have announced that they will fly to all four major islands. They also have in indicated that they might be interested at some point in time in flying some inner island service, which would be a welcome competition to Hawaiian airlines there in the islands. Um, so what I look to happen is I look for Southwest to have three, four, five flights a day to the islands to start with, perhaps one or two from each of their four destinations. My guess is that those flights will perhaps go to one island and then go to a secondary island. So that will create almost a small inner island service in itself for Southwest, a couple, three flights a day between islands, and also give them a chance to have the mainland service. So we'll see what happens, but it's exciting. Uh, I can remember the day, Tom, when we had no service to Hawaii from Sacramento. You had to fly to Los Angeles or San Francisco or drive to San Francisco to get to Hawaii. And when Southwest begins flying, we will have Hawaiian, uh, we will have Alaska, and whatever service that Southwest offers. So the good news for people who will like want to go to Hawaii is that prices are going to stay reasonable for a long time with that much competition. A couple of other things uh, from Hawaii this week. Um, you may not realize this, but sunscreen is damaging the coral reefs uh, on our planet and particularly around Hawaii. 
Um, sunscreen is the toxic ingredients in ocean in 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 uh, the toxic ingredients in sunscreen uh, is very damaging. Oxybenzone is damaging our coral reefs, and uh, no more. It's happening in, in, in no greater quantities than it's happening in Hawaii. I mean, imagine, if you will, all of those folks laying on the beach every day, slathering themselves in sunscreen. So the state of Hawaii has announced that they are the first to ban the sale of coral-damaging sunscreen in the state. I think this is really a, an interesting thing. Passed unanimously by Hawaii's House and Senate on Monday and signed by the governor on Tuesday. The bill takes effect in January of 2021 and prohibits sale of sunscreens containing the dangerous chemicals in the islands. So congratulations to the people in Hawaii for taking a, a huge step to protect the environment, although it's a couple of years down the road. Did you know that, Tom, about the sunscreen? You know, I, I they made the national news earlier this week, and so, of course, Hawaii being uh, uh, in the news with the volcano and so forth. But yeah, yeah, I heard that. I was, I was shocked because, I mean, you would think that with the size of the ocean and, you know, that it would be so diluted that it couldn't possibly have an effect on it. But but clearly, uh, they've sampled the water and they have figured that out. And uh, that that is uh, that is uh, a very very surprising. It's astounding. And uh, of course, there's going to be a lot of battle between those that have been promoting the use of sunscreen to prevent skin cancer, uh, and now you're going. I think they're limited to like zinc oxide and one other product that you can use as a that's considered safe to coral that you can use so you know there you go you know we've got to protect our natural environment uh you know perhaps um you know there will be other options well hopefully folks will go to work now they've got a couple of years and hawaii's put themselves out there so maybe uh, just like some other parts of our economy that have changed as technology have have impacted it maybe there's somebody out there with an idea of how we can protect ourselves from the sun and still not mess up the environment i mess it, mentioned in the headlines that mcdonald's is has opened a brand new restaurant in uh, chicago's west loop what they have done is they are bringing you know mcdonald's serves 69 million customers a day in 120 countries so what they're doing, Tom, is they're bringing all of the specialty items that they serve in different countries. Like, for example, in the United States, it might be the, the McRib sandwich. <clears throat> you might not consider that a huge delicacy, but it is something that McDonald's serves in this country that perhaps they don't serve elsewhere. In, Aust in Austria, they serve warm curried noodles. In China, they serve a purple taro root pie. In Japan, they serve a panko-crusted shrimp burger. So those are just some examples. In this mm -hmm. restaurant in Chicago that McDonald's is opening up, you can get all of these items from around the world all served in their new 6,000-foot global Chicago restaurant. Wow. Now, I'm not an incredible <laughs> fan of McDonald's necessarily, but I think that is a pretty cool thing. Um, the, the executives at McDonald's have offered a, uh, uh, an international taste adventure mm -hmm. that included all kinds of different things. It was a two-tray $35, it's a two-tray $35 indulgence that gives you all of this taste testing from all around the planet. Anyway, if you're in Chicago, um, step up to the plate and see if you can, uh, check out the worldwide McDonald's. And on TravelGuysRadio.com, speaking of food, there is kind of a cool article I found this week, the best chicken wings 
in every single state. So if you are a chicken wing lover, go to TravelGuysRadio.com and you will see a list of all the favorite ways to prepare chicken wings in different states. At a bare minimum, you are bound to find some brand new recipes. Are you a chicken wing man, Thomas? I am. I, I was just looking at it here on our on our webpage, TravelGuysRadio.com. This is fascinating. This could be this could be a, a, a like a vacation into itself. You know, traveling around and hitting all these different places and doing the wings, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely could be. Or you could just take this list with you if you were somebody who traveled a lot and, you know, see how many of them you might wander into over over, over time. All right. Here's another kind of interesting item. We have all heard of Airbnb. We've all heard of nudist colonies. What if there was an Airbnb for nudists? Well, why not? Why not? We're working on it. It's happening. Naturist, naturist, B&B. Um, I don't know if this has been linked to our website yet, Tom. I just found this a few minutes before we went on the air. But it's naturistbnb.com. Um, and you can, it's basically Airbnb for people who don't like to wear clothes. Wow. And uh, if you're if, if you are a nudist, um, go there. And if you're just curious, you'll probably go there, too. There is a link to it at TravelGuysRadio.com, and they have all kinds of house rules and all kinds of things that you can amuse yourself with there. And if you are somebody who likes to go sans clothing, you may be able to be connected with some folks who can provide you with some of those opportunities in other countries. That, yes. <laughs> and that's your travel and that's your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys. Also, if you go there you can uh, to travelguysradio.com there's a a link to what the world map sounds like on a piano. That, that's it is all that's so all, cool. Yeah, that's all I'm going to give you. Go go check it out. All right, coming up next uh, we were talking at the top of the 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 broadcast about frontier airlines returning to sacramento we're going to talk about the the ups and uh, downs the negatives and the positives and things to watch out for uh when something like this occurs that's next here on the travel guys oh lord stuck in lodi you know uh I know these guys, by the way, CCR. I was in a band, and uh, they're part of the band members were our managers. It was very strange. Tom Romano here, along with Mark Hoffman. We are the Travel Guys, digressing to the area of ridiculous. I'm I'm in studio. Mark is in Washington D.C. Mark, are you there? I am. I was just. I thought maybe you were having a flashback there for a minute. I was. I was. Just, I was. Uh, yeah. I was. I, was it wasn't drug related either this time no really. no i could tell it was just a, it was just you heard the music and it just took you to it, a it was music, to a place a music related flashback okay let's get down to business to making our listeners smarter travelers that's what we do here go ahead mark okay well before right before we do that i have a quick little thing here you know how i like my lists um, um, there is uh, Ex- a list. Expedia. Yeah, yeah. Expedia has released their 2018 airline and hotel etiquette study. Um, so you can only imagine what are the biggest annoyances to people who fly. 
the seat kicker, bumper, or grabber. You know, mm-hmm. the, the kid who kicks the seat, the person who constantly bumps your seat, or the person, this is to me the worst one, the person who grabs your seat and uses it to get to stand up with, therefore yanking the seat back three or four inches suddenly, and when they get done standing up, letting go of it and letting it, you know, hit you in the back. Well, one, um, of, the, 51, one, of, yeah, one of these days, Mark, you will reach that age where you can't just immediately just with your free will just stand erect without having to have some sort of support and uh those of us that need it you know sometimes it's the seat in front of you right but you might just say excuse me i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna grab your seat here and then you would know well i always apologize after i fling them halfway across the plane when i release it that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, um, those people aggravate 51% of the people who fly. Um, the aromatic passenger uh, shows up at 43% in second place. The aromatic passenger. The attentive. The inattentive parent comes in at 39% in a solid third place. Fourth, we have the personal space violators. Uh-huh. And in fifth place, the audio insensitive. I think they've pretty much nailed all five of these. Uh, the seat bumper grabber, the aromatic passenger, the inattentive parent, the personal space violators, and the audio insensitive person. How many people? How many of those folks have you flown with, Tom, on all, your last flight? On my last <laughs> flight, at least four out of five. I'm, that I'm yeah, sure exactly. of. Yeah. Okay, so here's the ranking of the most annoying hotel guests. And then we'll get on to Frontier Airlines okay. here. Inattentive, inattentive parents are, are uh, annoyed, annoy 45% of hotel guests. In-room revelers and hallway hellraisers are second at 41. The complainers are 29%, people who just complain about everything. The partygoers and the bar boozer, 27%. So um, congratulations to Expedia, who I think with this little survey have pretty much nailed the emotions of travelers. Not Sometimes these things don't always work, but in this case, I think they did a pretty good job. Okay, um, <laughs> Frontier Airlines announced that they're coming back to Sacramento, and um, I'm not, I don't have my head in the sand. I, I think any time you get new service, it doesn't matter who provides it. It provides more competition. It provides more choices for consumers. It's always a good thing. Um, people can do their homework, and they can be smart consumers, or they can not do their homework, and they can fall into a trap. And I'm going to suggest to you that that's what's set for you by low, super ultra low fare airlines. They advertise fares without any kind of taxes or fees or anything. And they and it, what ends up happening, as we've shown on this program before, and I'm sure we will again after Frontier starts flying, you take their basic fare, you add a checked bag, you add a seat selection, you buy a beverage on the plane. I'm not talking about a cocktail here. I'm talking about a Coke or a, or a glass of bottle of water on the airplane. You're going to pay more money than you're going to pay to fly on other carriers that provide much better service. Now, here's the deal. You can say, all right, well, I'm going to fly to Denver on Frontier Airlines. They fly four times a week. They've got a great $49 starting fare. I can get there for 98 bucks round trip. It's terrific. It saves me a lot of money. But here is, the, and you don't have baggage. You don't care if you're stuck in a middle seat for the two-hour flight to Denver or the, 40, or the hour flight to Las Vegas. But here's the problem, Tom. You take one of those flights to Denver from Sacramento on Frontier Airlines, they mm-hmm. operate four times a week. Okay. The, the, the Las Vegas flights operate three times a week. All right. So not three or four times a day now, oh. three or four times a per. week. All righty. 
So you get to you get to Las Vegas, and as happens, um, airlines have maintenance problems, just like cars and any other type of vehicle. So there's a maintenance problem, or there's a snowstorm back east, or a flood, or bad weather, any one of a number of things that causes your flight to be canceled. So you're like, if you're on Southwest Airlines, you're coming home from Las Vegas, it's not a big deal if your flight gets canceled. Even if they're incredibly busy, they'll most likely get you home the next day. And under, I can't imagine circumstances on Southwest where you would be held up for more than 36 hours. I mean, that would just be incredibly unusual because they have so many different ways to get you home. Maybe not a, a nonstop flight, but to route you through other cities and get you home, and uh, which would probably be very acceptable to you. Frontier, Spirit, Allegiant, they don't have that ability. If the flight plane only flies from Las Vegas to Sacramento three days a week, it's entirely possible that the next flight might not be for two or three days. And if that flight is full, they're not going to bump somebody to put you on it. So now you're in a position where you're stuck paying hotel fees, uh, who knows what else, maybe you're missing work, you've got to buy food, you've got all of these other expenses, and if it was weather-related, if it wasn't directly related to a mechanical situation, the airline's not going to compensate you a nickel. Now, so it, be, yeah, well, let, me, let me just jump in for a second here. Now, wouldn't they, would they not try to find you a, a flight on another airline's uh, on their behalf? No, because, Tom, for these super low-fare carriers, it's not in their interest. Plus, the limited interline agreements that they have, um, United isn't going to accept a $49 ticket from, from Frontier. Why would they do that? Oh, I mean, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. So these, these, these low-fare guys are kind of out there on their own. And if you can make it, it – listen, if it's the only way you can get there is, is to accept that low-fare and jump through all the hoops and sit in the middle seat and all that stuff, good for you. But just make sure that you've got a little bit of flexibility on the return, that if that plane doesn't fly on the day it has to fly, that you're not going to lose your job or your place to live or have some financial setback or have something happen to you because you couldn't get back home. Because then you're going to find out that that $100 that you saved at the airfare on the airfare is going to have cost you many, many times over. So just be extra careful. These people are not in the customer service business. If you think other airlines are poor at their customer service, and certainly at times they are. Wait till these low fare carriers get back to Sacramento and we start hearing the horror stories from them. Well, look at there. I, I just might have to go just so I can experience it. You, you, you've well, really painted a talk. lovely picture for me there. <laughs> Them because you don't know when you're playing. You might fly on Frontier 20 times and never have a problem. But then on that 21st time, now suddenly you can't get home for a couple of days or way worse than that. So why would you put yourself in that situation just to save a few dollars? Well, there you go. <laughs> okay, we are the Travel Guys. We're coming up on the news in about 15 seconds. want to remind you quickly, right after the break, we're going to be uh, heading to Europe. We're going to do a European walking tour. It's called the Blue Walk. I'm going to be visiting with the owners, and you're going to love it. That's next on The Travel Guy. Come away with me in the night. Hello there. Welcome to The Travel Guys. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you. We're brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations here every Sunday from 3 to 4 to make you a smarter traveler. You know, one of the things that a lot of folks like to do when they go on vacation is walk, or for that matter, these uh, events that they're called walking tours. Well, I, I got an email the other day. Uh, in regards to something called the Art Walk, and it's put on by a company called the Blue Walk. <laughs> a lot of walking going on here. And 
and I found it very, very interesting, European Walking Vacations. And with me is the owners of the Blue Walk, Jeanette Cando and Susie Schutz. Ladies, welcome to the Travel Guys. Thank you. Tom. We appreciate it. Great uh, to be here. All right. Well, let's. Uh, either one of you can can start off. Tell our listeners about this European walking vacation and the Blue Walk, and and what this is all about. What we do is we have small group vacations. So our tour sizes max out at about twelve or fourteen. Most of our tours are about eight people, and we like to say we're more like traveling with a group of friends. And uh, we do walking tours to spectacular areas in southern Europe. So. France, Greece, Italy. We're looking to add Spain next year. And one of the our primary focuses is that we we like getting into the the villages and walking along coastal paths. So open skies, water, that's what we are all about. It's just getting into the areas and seeing them at an eye level and really the way that these places were meant to be seen. Well, uh, Susie, tell our listeners uh, about how long is one of these walking tours or how many hours, how many days, uh, a little bit about that. Well, let's see. Right now we are in France and we are on a trip that is six nights. And let's see, our Greece tour is either 12 nights or nine nights, depending on if people want to add extra nights to it. And our Italy tour is currently six nights. We do. Um, we can make a custom tour. People would like it to be longer or shorter, but typically, we're six is a is a minimum. And depending on where we are, depends on how long the walks are. Like today, we went for a beautiful walk, and I think we were out there between walking from like the the train station where we started and got getting back. We were out for probably a good three hours, but the the majority of the programmed walk was maybe an hour and a half. So there was some stopping for lunch and some strolling around but glass our, of wine glass of wine yes of mm-hmm. course <laughs> so we'll walk anywhere between one and three hours in a day and so people want to do more they can if they want to do less they can do that as well one of the things that really caught my attention because there's lots of different kinds of walking tours pretty much anywhere you might go the one that really captured my attention was the one that involves uh, the opportunity to walk and paint and actually spend time with with artists and and people that can that can teach you how to how to paint and so forth so it's a experiential vacation that involves walking and and looking at some of the most beautiful scenery in the world and then getting a chance to sit down and put put it onto canvas the best you can explain that one to me well, I think, you know, a lot of people who are are interested in, in art and in painting, the idea of going to Europe and painting in Europe is, is kind of a fantasy. So there's that aspect to it of being, for instance, you know, in Florence and being able to paint in Florence, which is just sort of a mecca for art. We're on the Cinque Terre, we're in the French Riviera, you know, these places where famous artists, uh, Monet and uh, Chagall painted that they get to walk in the footsteps of these famous artists. But even more than that, it's a, it's a great way to make a, a travel journal and sort of to remember um, what it what your trip was all about. You sit, you observe what's going on. You're working with um, these wonderful artist teachers that are so encouraging. They can take, you know, wherever you are in your skill level. We have artists who are, you know, um, 
professional artists, that's how they make their income. We have people that they've never you know, done anything like this before. They've never even thought about uh, being a, a painter or painting uh, in their spare time. They're just doing it for their first time. You know, maybe they've just retired. This is the first opportunity they've had to do something like this. And so at all different levels, and they're in a completely encouraging and nurturing environment in these beautiful places. And we just have such a great time because they really do just to slow, observe what's going on and be a part of the place. So you're not just passing through at a fast pace, following a tour guide with a flag, but you're actually sitting in a spot watching what's happening and then recording it in your own travel journal or, you know, whatever the, the medium is that's being worked in. My guests here on The Travel Guys, Jeanette Kando and Susie Schutz. I'm sure you get a lot of feedback from your travelers that go on your European walking tour as to how it makes them feel. Tell us about that. The, the walk that we finished today, we, uh, we were in uh, France on the French Riviera. We started in uh, Beaulieu-sur-Mer. We finished up near Villefranche-sur-Mer. And uh, we ended up in the, at the end of the Sentier, the coastal path at this little uh, beach, and there was a restaurant there. And so we all had lunch, and Susie um, sat with uh, most of the group, and you guys were having a good time. I heard, I heard you over there laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a great time. People were, were talking about, um, you know, what the, just the view. When you walk around the, where we were today, this, the view is just stunning, and people were saying, you know, I've seen this in pictures, and it's just, it's really amazing to be out here. It's so peaceful. There was, we were pretty much the only people out there, and it's one of the nice things where we go on this particular tour. The tours don't really head out there. It's pretty much a locals-only path, so it was great. They got to experience just the, the sights and sounds. There was a few benches we sat and took in the, the sights and watched the boats go by, and they were all just saying, this is so beautiful. Look at the color of the water. This is so great. I've always wanted to be in France. So just people really being present where they where they are and enjoying it and not feeling rushed to get from A to B and not, you know, okay, I have a checklist of all the things we need to do today. They were just really kind of present and enjoying, enjoying just being in one place. Do you have a particular time of the year that uh, you take people on your uh, European walking vacations and art tours? Uh, do you have a you know, a shoulder season, uh, what are, the, what are mm-hmm. the primary dates that you like to go? Uh, well, we do, uh, for the most part, we're traveling in the spring and the fall. Uh, we do that for a couple of reasons. The primary one is that the weather is just incredible. Uh, we, we get really wonderful temperatures, 60s, 70s. It's perfect for walking. And also, it's just a lot less busy. So we are able to be in, you know, some of Europe's most popular places and it's not incredibly crowded. I know we're in the Cinque Terre and we can walk along the paths and don't feel the crush of people that you often will hear about during the summertime there. Uh, and also it's just, it, it allows us to create a price point for our guests that's better than if they were to go during the summer season. It's just a lot more expensive. So traveling during the shoulder season, it, it allows uh, less crowds and also better value for what you get. Jeanette, Susie, tell me a little bit about the accommodations that uh, that you have available for people that go on uh, go on your tours. We stay in uh, like stay in boutique hotels, depending on the, the the country or the place we're staying. We have like for instance, when we are on our Italy tour, we stay in a um, I guess you call it seaside hotel, a family run hotel. It's quite small, but it's it's the lovely part about it is it's family run, so it's the guests feel like family. At the end of the trip, we actually just left there to come to France. People were saying, oh, I loved 
you know, Alessandro and I loved, I loved Sarah. They, I felt like a family member. They were so attentive and they were really friendly. And so the guests felt like you know, we were there for three days. The guests really felt like they cared and they were very attentive. Anything they needed, it, they really enjoyed that. So we like to find places that are in a good location, central to where we're going, easy to get to from either an airport or train station, and they've got nice views. But more, we want guests to feel welcome and not just another guest that's being shuttled through. People are out there walking all day. You can be kind of tired. You want to be able to come home, relax, you know, have all of your needs taken care of and stay at nice hotels. And so this is what we try and provide for our guests. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about today that you want to make sure that our Travel Guys listeners uh, know about? What I would like just, you know, let people know is that what we are really trying to provide for people is an authentic experience in travel is, um, you know, we do have an itinerary that we share with people. But for us, it's really about what people experience while they're here. Um, it's not so much what our itinerary is, but it's what people's experiences. And that's really what we want to share is our love and our passion for these places and, and just let that come alive for them during their time here. Outstanding. Thank you, ladies, so much. Uh, best of luck, and uh, we'll see you on the Riviera. <laughs> okay, great. Excellent. Thanks, Tom. We appreciate <laughs> Thanks, Tom. it. Don't forget now a link to the Blue Walk, European walking vacations at TravelGuysRadio.com. Boy, that does sound like a lot of fun. I don't paint, but I could see, you know, going to to Europe, you know, standing in front of one of those big scenes that you, you see in in famous books and uh, slopping some uh, watercolors around when you were done, you would not be able to recognize what I scribbled onto the, uh, under the page. But when I took it home, I'd put it on the wall. And every time I looked at that blob that, uh, that I can't recognize, I would remember uh, being there and doing that. All righty. You like national parks, Mark Hoffman and Sports Leisure Vacations has some amazing, amazing trips. We're going to Scott uh, talk with one of his tour guides, Scott Angeletti. That's coming up next here on The Travel Guys. It's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano here on the radio. We are the Travel Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, here to make you a smarter traveler and take you all kinds of places. And today, it's off to national parks with Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark? Uh, We're going to talk today a little bit to Scott Angeletti from Sports Leisure Vacations. Scott is the national parks man at Sports Leisure Vacations and has quite a few excellent trips that include national parks coming up this summer and fall so i thought we would take a minute and talk to scott so he can share some of those with you and you can go to travelguysradio.com you can find links to these to each of the packages that scott is talking about or you can just plan your own trip to the national parks uh scott welcome to back to the travel guys hi mark hi tom how you doing Scott, um, you've got some great trips coming up that involve some of our national parks. Specifically, to start with, you've got one over the 4th of July weekend that goes up to Oregon and doesn't involve any plane flights. So it's something that might appeal to folks who are not looking to get on an airplane. You're headed up to Crater Lake National Park. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. That's a motor coach trip out of Sacramento on our super coach. We have our specialized motor coach. Uh, get up to Crater Lake, and we do a nice tour around the lake, have lunch at their historic lodge, a little free time for walking around the rim, taking some photos. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. Now, I know that that trip also does 
a little bit of a boat thing on the water on the Rogue River, which is a, designated as a wild and scenic river. The, the boats on the Rogue have been pretty legendary for a long time here in California. How, what's that all about? Yeah, that's um, a fantastic trip. Super, super fun. Uh, they go down the river, and on the way back, they stop at a lodge, and we actually get off the boat, have a wonderful lunch, and then they start doing spins on the boat. And it's just super, super fun. People get a little anxious at first, but after they do their first spin, they're like, more, more, more. And so that's a six-day trip that leaves uh, some t- in the first few days of July? July 3rd, yeah. Includes the 4th of July. Where do you see fireworks? Uh, we see, see them in Roseburg. Uh, we stay right on the river, and uh, people can see the fireworks right from their room. Awesome, awesome. This fall... Utah, is a, I know, is a favorite destination of yours. It's my absolutely my favorite. And the parks in Utah are, are legendary. You have uh, taken your trips now, and instead of trying to cover four or five parks in one week-long or 10-day trip, you've sp- split them up more into regions. I know you've got a, a trip to, to Zion and Bryce and another one to Arches and, and Canyonlands in September. Tell us a little bit about those regional trips to Utah. Right, yeah. A lot of people do what they call the Mighty Five. It's the five big parks in Utah, but like you said, it's better we uh, just separate them and do them uh, and concentrate on a couple of them at a time, and you spend more time. It's more enjoyable, I think. Uh, The Zion Bryce one in September, Zion's one of my favorite parks. And if you like to do some walking, this is a really great tour because in the morning we do a scenic trolley tour, so everybody gets the information and sees the whole canyon. And in the afternoon, you have some free time, so you can do any of the walks in the park you like or just have a nice relaxing time at the lodge. Scott, I know at Zion particularly, some of the Utah parks have had some overcrowding problems. And I know at Zion this has become an issue, and I know this because I've been involved in meetings in Washington, D.C. and the like is trying to resolve the issue. You're going after Labor Day. Is is that a time when when their crowds are not quite as big? What can we tell folks who are listening who might not want to go with you but might be planning a, a trip to southern Utah parks in terms of when is the best time to go? Or is there a good time anymore? It, it's getting tough to get a shoulder time nowadays. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely you want to stay out of the summer. Number one, it's really hot, and you get the big crowd. So the weather is really nice May September, October is typically when I like to travel in that area. Um, You do one with Zion and Bryce, then you have another trip that involves Moab and the Canyonlands. And on that trip, you have, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, a flight-seeing adventure, too? Yeah, we do a a flight-seeing trip over Canyonlands and Arches National Park, so you can see it from the air. Arches, we also go in with a motor coach, and we hike around and walk around uh, there, but... Canyonlands is so remote, you have to really jeep into it or hike into it. So to take a flight over it is um, really pretty spectacular to see the scenery. You talk often about the place that you stay at when you go to Moab and on this Moab Canyonlands yeah, trip. Yeah. And and I've seen pictures of it, haven't been there myself. Red Cliffs Lodge, is that the name of it? Red Cliffs Lodge, yeah. I've been going there since pretty much since it opened up. And it's right on the Colorado River with these giant sandstone 
um, uh, cliffs on all sides of you. They have a movie museum in there, so a lot of the movies that were shot in the Moab area or in Utah in general. Mm -hmm. And also they have a vineyard there and beautiful outdoor seating or indoor seating right in the Colorado River for for dinner. Is it it an accurate statement to say that in the Utah parks is some of the most spectacular scenery in the country? I think so, and it's so unique. I mean, there's beautiful mountains all around the country in different areas, but Utah and around the world, but Utah is just really uh, unique because of the Colorado Plateau and how that area was formed. Before I let you go, uh, we're talking about national parks in Utah. I know that you have, you've been working on a trip in the wintertime. So talking about shoulder seasons and, and you know, when to go to the parks to avoid the crowds, you've become kind of the wintertime guy at Sports Leisure Vacations. Uh, what are you working on that involves the Utah parks in the wintertime? Well, other than Utah, just to mention, I like to do Yellowstone in the wintertime because uh-huh. there's no there's no crowds up there, and there's only one or two places that are open um, in the wintertime, so it's just pristine and it's beautiful. And Utah, I've been uh, going to next year to Bryce Canyon because they have a festival, a winter festival. The snow on top of these rock formations called hoodoos is just absolutely spectacular. Are there other special events on this winter trip? Do they do outdoor activities? Do they have ice carvings or things of that sort? Yeah, uh, depending on snow levels, they do different kinds of things, and they'll have these snowshoeing, but there's always um, ranger-guided um, tours along the rim. They do um, stargazing at night, and they have indoor things that go on also. Scott, you do a lot of these wintertime trips. Do you have any tips for folks who might be thinking of you know going to see the northern lights or to yellowstone or you're talking about bryce canyon in general when you're going to these types of of wintertime trips is there anything you can share that would help folks be a little bit more prepared for that type of an adventure you just need to be prepared for uh, cold weather, pretty much, and weather in general. So layered clothing, really good boots, hat, and a great a great winter jacket. And, um, you know, we've been lucky um, the past few years with some of the weather. We do this Aurora Borealis in Alaska every year, mm-hmm. and um, we have some pretty good weather on that. As long as you're bundled up, it's pretty much okay. So you would suggest to folks... Pay the money. Go to. Uh, in some cases, you can rent some of these things when you get to the destinations. Is that is that not correct? I mean, like with Alaska and stuff like that. Yeah, with Alaska, I have a company up there will rent your gear for you, so you don't have to buy it or carry the stuff up or back. Uh, so that works out really well. All right. Well, Scott, when we get towards the end of the summer, we get closer to some of these wintertime adventures. I know you're going back to the Canadian Rockies this year. You do an annual thing to see the Northern Lights in uh, in Alaska. So we'll bring you back and talk to you a little bit about that. If you'd like more information on some of the national park journeys that Scott is talking about with Sports Leisure Vacations, you can go to TravelGuysRadio.com and find links to all of them there. Scott, thanks for joining us on the Travel Guys. Thank you very much. All righty. By the way, uh, go to TravelGuysRadio.com. There's some links there to what Scott uh, just talked about. You can find it, as well as some other cool stuff. In fact, uh, Mark, are you with me? I am. There's links to the best chicken wings in every state. And I, I you mentioned this earlier in the show, and I just think this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time. Uh, Chris Galloway sent it to me. What the world map sounds like on a piano. It'll only take you about 20 seconds. Now, Go to TravelGuysRadio.com. It's right up at the top. And also that na- the link for the 
naturist, na naturist B&B for folks uh, who would like to find uh, clothing optional places is now listed on the website also. Now, I can, I can actually play that for folks here on the radio if you want, Mark. Oh, I think we should we should play it. We'll play it next week. Okay, all right. I I don't know. <laughs> Basically, it looks like little dots that mm -hmm. signify the continents. It's like a player yep. piano. And exactly. It, it's, it's like if you figured out if you took the all the continents and you took all the outlines of them and made those a little little dots like they do on a play, player piano, what it would sound like. Something tells me it's not actually very musical, but it's probably a lot of fun. Believe it or not, you can also find a lot of good travel information on that website. So if you're looking to get your passport renewed or anything like that, TravelGuysRadio.com can be a resource for you. Thomas, uh, we are going to be off to some ballparks this week. We're headed to Baltimore, on up to Philadelphia, uh, Pittsburgh, Cooperstown. You have a good week there. We'll check in with you next Sunday. All right. I'm guessing you'll see a Giants game in there somewhere. We will. We'll be dancing like nobody's watching. All right. Okay, folks, you stay well. Remember, TravelGuysRadio.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Stay well.